Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 57 of Taking You to the Top. My guest today is Josh Little. He's the founder and CEO of Volley. Volley is a conversation tool that allows you to take to have asynchronous conversations with your team, colleagues, and customers. Josh, thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. Josh, to get us started, if you wouldn't mind taking us back a bit, you know, Tell us where you're from and a little bit about your upbringing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I grew up in rural Michigan and um, lived there for, I lived in Michigan for 36 years, built my first two companies there. Um, I didn't know that my mom was an entrepreneur, um, but she was. She cleaned houses and painted walls and did odd jobs. And I didn't realize what that was until I was in my 20s. Um, And, you know, I had a lawn mowing business when I was young. Um, But as soon as I turned 16, I started working at restaurants and and then went to college and got a degree and went off and started teaching and went into the corporate world. So my my path into entrepreneurship was kind of reluctant um, and it happened later in life. So I I started my first company at 33. Um, So... And no one in my hometown does these sorts of things. So that's why it kind of took me a long time to get to this place. Because, uh, you know, er- early on, I read, you know, a book, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And um, right. it was like a revelation to me, like, oh, you can own your own business. Wait, you can be wealthy <laughs> if you want to. You can choose these things and there's a way to do these. things. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but that's really where I was. So, uh, yeah, I'm a late bloomer in the world of entrepreneurship. And part part of that's from, you know, where I was raised and what people were doing. And um, but uh, are they more are they more traditional from where you're from? Yeah. I mean, the three options you have growing up in my hometown where you either work at the power company, which my dad did. Mm You work at the prison because the big state prison is there, or you are a teacher, and <laughs> or work at restaurants, uh, you know, and, and or do odd jobs like my mom, and and those are just kind of the things anyone talks about there. The richest okay. kid in my high school, his his dad owned a Little Caesars, and that oh, you know okay. that that was that's that's the the bar you know that i grew up around but no i mean he was he was rare like there were few business owners or at least that i knew of because that wasn't in the conversation that wasn't what kids and young people were talking about it wasn't about uh, building businesses it was it was about working it was about getting a job and staying there and you know being loyal to a company that's kind of the blue collar environment i grew up in sure and before, before Bali, what were the 
the three other companies, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. Yeah. Uh, the first company uh, was Maestro. Maestro builds uh, e-learning programs and software um, for to help companies perform better, perform beautifully, as we like to say. Right. Um, so we, you know, that was my first company, and that was scratching an itch that I had. I was working at Stryker, a medical device company, in sales training, and trying to build an e-learning program. And I was trying to find vendors that could help, and I just couldn't find any. I couldn't find good vendors who could just take this stuff, execute on it, because that wasn't my job. My job was to run the, a global education program, not be an e-learning content creator. So. Sure. Um, I just left Stryker cold Turkey and started Maestro and okay. off the back of Maestro Maestro. We started in medical device and pharma and, but now Maestro creates content for all the cool kid companies, Facebook and Netflix and whatnot today. Okay. Um, and uh, Maestro was very profitable. So uh, we, you know, a few years in uh, because we were, we had the chance of to work with, dozens of the top learning organizations in in industry we we were able to kind of see problems at a macro level and realize that there were the same patterns that existed in each one that the thing we were doing at maestro this e-learning thing only accounts for like 10 percent of what you need to know to do your job the rest right. of the 90 percent you learn from conversations and texts and emails and um, you know, all of this ad hoc communication that happens in, in a company and that just flies out the window. It's not captured. So in 2009, I um, stepped out of Maestro and started building Bloomfire um, mm -hmm. and Bloom, we, we grew that quickly. It was acquired in 18 months. Now today, Bloomfire is one of the premier knowledge management platforms out there. Um, I thought I was done after that, took a year off, got bored and then um, got back to work with some friends and built a company called Quizzer, um, which if you've ever taken a, which Harry Potter character are you quiz or a, right. what is your spirit animal? You probably use Quizzer. We, we were working with thousands of the top publishers and hundreds of millions of people were taking quizzes each month. And that was a fun one to grow. I stepped away in 2016 and uh, it took four years to find my next thing, which, is now Volley. And with Volley, we're saving the world from death by meetings. There we go. So if we could get a little more in depth into what Volley does, if I'm a new client, how would you describe Volley to me? Yeah, that's good. Volley allows professionals to talk without interrupting. And when I say professionals, that could be your team, that could be you talking with vendors or customers. Volley is an asynchronous communication platform that allows you to replace back-to-back -back meetings with asynchronous video conversations. Because at, at the heart, meetings are conversations, calls are conversations, all important business communication, sales, support are some form of conversation. And conversation historically has been limited by time and place. And sure. we, are, we are decoupling conversation from time and place to allow you to um, share asynchronous video messages with one another. And so just like any other conversation, we take turns just like this one, we're taking turns back and forth. There have been 10 or 12 turns so far. And, um, but with Volley, you record your turn with video and that allows the flexibility of texting with the richness of talking. 
because inevitably you just need to talk to move work forward. Uh, this, and this is what we're struggling with, with the pandemic and, and being on lockdown. Suddenly the only way to talk is on Zoom and then you're back to back Zooms and we got Zoom fatigue. And, uh, but there's sure. just no other way. We, we, we have to talk, we have to collaborate. We have to bounce things off of one another. And Volley allows you to do that asynchronously. And we've been surprised. We thought when we started that maybe 50% of your conversations could be done asynchronously or, or your meetings. But I, there is really only one meeting that we have as a team that we have to meet synchronously on. And that's our backlog refinement because there's just so much uh, tight turnaround feedback loop that needs to happen to, to get where we need to go quickly. So everything else we do on Volley as a team, but of course we're highly motivated. And inside Valdi as a platform, are you creating like groups, subgroups, things like that? You know, like team A is in a room sort of, and they just yeah, great asynchronously share video with each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can create a team just like Slack and then anyone in the team can see each other and create conversations with one another. You can create conversations that are thematic by meetings or uh, topics or a certain brainstorm or a certain problem we're trying to solve. Like we had a video processing conversation bloom this week in our uh, volley team. Um, yeah, so we'd like to be as organized as Slack, but as easy to start a conversation as Zoom. So you can just send a link to someone, they tap it and then they jump in volley and you're talking and you can talk pseudo live in volley. That's incredible. I mean, I was just thinking about it uh, when I was doing the research for this episode. Um, if we used it within our office environment, I mean, we're not consistently speaking with each other, you know, 24 seven. There's like pauses and sometimes I'll have a question for someone. So I think this works perfectly for that kind of environment. You're right. Yeah, we, we, you know, conversation moves in and out of synchronicity. Right now, you and I are synchronous. We were emailing before this. We'll be texting after it. Sure. Um, we may talk again, right? Uh, so that's the natural flow of conversation, especially with teams. And that's what we want to mimic. We're not trying to kill Slack or Zoom. We're trying to split the difference. Um, and we're, we're, we're filling the gap between Slack and Zoom. And a lot of people will say, well, there is no gap. I use Slack and Zoom and I feel, I, and I'm like, yeah, but you're doing things inefficiently on both that you don't need to be doing there. You're stretching Slack to do things that you, you're writing a book, you know, putting a dissertation in there, chatting okay. back and forth. And, and when, you, when you choose to write, um, to communicate in business, you're choosing to do something that you're seven to eight times slower than your natural ability to speak. You can speak seven to eight times faster than you can compose an email or a text message, especially if you're doing it with your thumbs on a phone. Sure. So it's inefficient for those reasons. Um, so if you could just spit it out quickly, wouldn't that be more efficient? Yes, but the problem is when, when you cross that threshold from writing to talking, now I have to interrupt someone in some way. I have to call them or I have to set up a meeting. We have to schedule a thing or I have to stop into their office. And we, you know, the research is blossoming on, on how, how corrosive interruption is for productivity. It takes 23 right. minutes to get back on task once you're interrupted. And so in today's work environment, knowledge workers are spending 21 hours a week in meetings and then 11 hours a week on text or email or uh, Slack-like chat. 
at work. So they're spending most of their time sitting in meetings or moving information around. And that's just not why we were hired. That's not why knowledge workers were hired. They were hired to do a specific task that only they could do, not just move information around throughout the day. So we're trying to call out uh, this runaway meeting culture of the world and um, encourage enough companies to, to go what we call meatless. Uh, sure. M-E-E-T less. Like what could you do on a meatless Monday? Can you imagine if you just had a Monday that was a, a white square on your calendar, what could you do? What What's the possibility and potential of that little square? It could be amazing. Sure. Right? Yeah. And uh, so did you launch this company in 2020? We did. Yeah. We got together in May um, and started working on it. We had a product by uh, end of June that we were dog fooding as a team and then uh, started private beta in September. And then we, we did kind of a silent release uh, mid-December. Uh, we haven't tweeted or peeped a word, but we have hundreds of people finding it every day. So um, we're, we're just continuing to to make it more robust, more reliable to the point that we feel as a team, like, okay, it's ready. We can toot the horn and bring people in. Absolutely. Um, just out of curiosity, I was doing a bit of research earlier on internet archive. And I think the domain existed way back in 2014. Was this something brewing or was the domain just owned by someone else? It was owned by someone else. Yeah. Volleyapp.com. Okay. Is that what you're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone else owned it. Uh, there have been a lot of volleys. That's what I'm finding is there's a lot of dead bodies with volley <laughs> logos on them. <laughs> so uh, I hope we don't follow the trend there. I hope we're the one that actually makes it. But the name is just too good to not try. Uh, it, it just it is the metaphor for what's happening in conversation, whether synchronous or asynchronous. We're volleying back and forth. Yeah, I pick up the ball, throw it to you. You pick up the ball, throw it to me when you're ready, when you have time when it's not interruptive. Out of curiosity, who, who owns volley.com? Did you try to get that one? I did, and I could have got it. He won a half a million for it. Um, <laughs> and I just don't, okay. I don't play that game. Like if Zoom can be a $70 billion company with zoom.us, I don't need volley.com. Uh, sure, not sure, for sure. half a million bucks, you know, day one. Absolutely. And he was willing to lease it, but ugh, come on. Yeah, I just like I, I have paid 80,000 for a domain. That's like I could see six figures, but for a pre-revenue company, it just makes no sense. Uh, you you can do a lot more with that capital than have a, a shiny domain. So volleyapp.com is great. And we have volley.app for our web app. Perfect. It works. Okay, so another thing I noticed is I don't see any pricing on the site. Are you doing this for free at the moment or will Ooh, it be wait, freemium? Wait. <laughs> wait till this afternoon uh, <laughs> yeah yeah it's free uh, we're, we're gonna have a very robust free product because this will this product i mean we're not gonna do any considerable marking ever with this product everything you do in volley brings someone else into volley so it's inherently viral we just have to nail the product um, and we sure. have the team to do that we just we need time to massage the things we need to massage um but, uh, oh, geez, I lost your question. What was it? Uh, well, it was going to be about the revenue model, but since oh, I revenue. don't see yeah. one yet, <laughs> I'm yeah, assuming yeah. So it'll we're going to charge at some point. 
Sure. It'll be SaaS. Uh, we'll build premium features, which um, take conversation to the next level and expand it and then move into collaboration. So we'll probably have two tiers. Um, pricing will be between Slack and Zoom um, okay. on a monthly, you know, it's not quite as expensive as Zoom, not as cheap as Slack maybe, but um, somewhere in the middle because we are handling and storing videos, which is kind of expensive to do. Sure. And what does the company team size look like today? We're 10 uh, or 10. 11, including a part-timer. Um, yep, 10. So 10 full-timers, eight engineers, one designer, and then one Josh. <laughs> okay, so eight engineers. And uh, do you have yep. any, do you have a sales team or too early for that? Too early. And I am always, I, I, I'm a veteran salesperson. That's what I did in the corporate world after I left teaching was go, I had a very successful sales career. So um, I like to be the first salesperson and I usually do that for six to 12 months just so I can really solve the problem and I'll hire people around me and then hand the torch off at, at some point. But that's, that's coming in the, in the next few months. Okay. And these uh, engineers, they're the developers of the platform. How did you go about hiring those developers? Very carefully. Um, I mean, no, was just... it like a traditional route or, I mean, how did you find them? Yeah, it was traditional. So two of the founders of the company are engineers, one uh, mobile engineer, another a web and backend uh, engineer. And um, both have, all four of us founders have built successful companies and exited from them. So it's a very, experienced team. Um, so it was easy to attract talent around these lovely and talented people who are on the founding team. Um, okay. It's just there, you know, it would, it would be a pleasure to, to work with them. So we just started recruiting. Um, it, it was actually the founding team. It was just the two engineers, Joe and myself that got the product to uh, beta. And um, we didn't, really start hiring engineers until the last couple of months. We just hired five in December. Um, so we're really trying to accelerate the growth um, the, of, of the platform. And because we, we feel that we found product promise fit, we had 700 companies on the wait list. And that's more than I've ever had pre-product or pre-launch. Pre um, and lots of cool companies like Google and Atlassian and Facebook and Apple and whatnot. So people want to take this medicine. We, we know that. Um, sure. We just have to make sure our medicine cures the disease, which is what we're doing now, making sure our product is dialed tight. The experience is great. People know what to do. They can easily find and start conversations with people that matter to them, all of those things. Okay. And um, are most of your team remote at the moment? We are. Uh, we, we did get together as a founding team once a week or so, but we found that when we sit in the same room, we don't use our product very much. Um, so yeah, sure. in order to use the product, we, we sort of need to be remote on purpose. Um, right. And it's been a beautiful thing using our product to, to support our product, to build our product. We're, we're volleying every day and unblocking each other and moving work forward faster for many things we would have had to create a zoom call for and schedule a thing. And, um, I can just send Joe a, a volley and three minutes later, he can pop in and 
give me the information I needed or unblock me and, and vice versa. So it's been a pretty beautiful thing. Amazing. Okay, Josh, we're just gonna take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Our first sponsor is a company called TopTal. They have a global network to top talent in business, design, and technology that enables companies to scale their teams on demand. TopTal serves thousands of clients, including Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups, delivering expertise and world-class solutions at an unparalleled success rate. With elite freelancers in over 100 countries, TopTal connects a top 3% screen list of the world's top talent with leading companies in days, not weeks. Visit toptal.takingyoutothetop.io. That's T-O-P-T-A-L dot takingyoutothetop.io and get an 80-hour no-risk trial period so you only have to pay if you're satisfied with the work. Get started hiring with TopTal today. I want to get into the economics uh, briefly, if you wouldn't mind, just sure. to learn, you know, the, the structure of the company or what you plan to do financially with the company. So is the company currently bootstrapped or did you raise any capital? Um, both. So I've been fortunate enough to be successful in my career that I can, you know, put initial starter capital into a company and get things going. Um, but then, you know, I, I just don't have endless resources. So I then... Um, I have the 13 or 14 angels now. We've, we've taken about 1.5 in angel capital to just get us to, the goal of that capital is to get us to product market fit. And um, we're well on our way there. I mean, when you, if you, for example, if you don't know investors, you're just starting out and you think you have a fantastic idea you've got all the information that an investor would require. How does uh, someone go about finding initial investors? That's a great question. I, I know that I am benefiting from my network and track record. Um, in, in fact, I'm, I've just started a Valley conversation with another entrepreneur yesterday who I'm sort of coaching through this process. First time entrepreneur okay. doesn't know people, doesn't know how to get capital. It's a hard thing to start from scratch, but I mean, they're out there um, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of these folks on LinkedIn say straight up that they're investors. So you just got to start playing the six degrees of bacon, you know, networking game. And who do you know that knows someone that, is investing in early stage startups and, you know, uh, typically angels. uh, But if you have a really great concept and you're a successful professional, there's, there's some institutional capital that can be had and there are firms that, that back young companies that way. So, and those, those folks are easy to find uh, VCs um, because they want to be easy to find. And you just, I mean, I, I don't know the process myself. So you just approach VCs, to book like a meeting. Yep. Unfortunately, we're hoping to change that. Are you, oh, you want to volley with the VCs? Right. Why would you book a meeting? <laughs> Why, start the conversation on volley, right? Sure. Uh, no, but there, you do need to go synchronous at some point with an entrepreneur or with a VC. But I, I think VCs could get a lot more deal, deal flow through the door if they just started asynchronous conversations and they were able to end conversations quickly because there's just a huge 
funnel that, you know, they look at a thousand, they talk to a thousand entrepreneurs to look at a hundred deals to do 10. So right, right. Um, it's just the nature of their business. Sure. I mean, I was going to ask what revenue looks like, but maybe I should ask that on our next call. Yeah, it's zero right now. Right. We have we have customers interested, but uh, yeah, it's weak right now. We're, we're building those features. And, you know, the free product that we have out there, it'll be free forever. So we're not going to pull any features behind a paywall. That's, you know, SaaS 101. Sure. And I'm assuming that... COVID had zero impact on your business. Well, uh, depends on how you look at it. It had a hundred percent impact um, because COVID is what oh, created the focus. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent positive impact. COVID is what created the focus of this idea to even come to life. I've been thinking about this problem for over a decade at Maestro and Bloomfire. Like I said, how do you get the right information to the right people at the right time? That's a hard thing to do. And I've fallen in love with asynchronous communication on platforms like Snapchat or Marco Polo or Voxer. And um, I thought, well, you know, why don't we have this type of communication for teams and teams are all going remote and there's Zoom fatigue and this thing's, oh, okay. That's where we can (laughs) go with this technology. And then, you know, it was a long, it was a long road trip actually that kind of that all came together in the name came to me and by the time I got home, I was like, Bali, and this is what it is. And I started the validation process. Which is exactly where we're going into right now, validation and marketing. Well, you're so good at driving me perfectly through the stream of conversation. (laughs) This, This part is a part that a lot of people struggle with, including myself. Um, when you want to launch a company or you have an idea and you want to test that idea out, how did you go about validating the idea of Volley? Well, uh, I'll say with Volley, um, I have the benefit of doing it wrong a lot in past. Um, I didn't know about the idea of validating a business before Maestro, before Bloomfire. I just hauled off and did it. And I shouldn't have because it was an irresponsible thing to do, but luckily they both worked. Sure. Um, you know, Eric Reese didn't write the book or, you know, I didn't hear about Steve Blank uh, until Eric Reese wrote the book. Right. Uh, right. So, um, so I have, this is actually something that I'm known for um, in the world of entrepreneurship. This is something people seek me out for is to understand my process. This is something I'm actually quite good at um, is figuring out what idea to pursue and validate, which is the first step, because most people have several ideas or several things they could do. And then once you have that idea, trying to kill it as fast as possible or validate it as fast as possible. And I've developed a whole set of tools, a worksheet um, that I force myself to go through with every business. And so over the last two years, before Volley, when I was trying to find my next thing, I felt like it was time to get back and build something again. Um, I had hundreds of ideas that I keep track of in a spreadsheet and I've created a rubric to help me objectively find the, like the most interesting ideas to work on based on my criteria at the time, which changes over time. Um, and then once I choose the idea um, with the help of the rubric, I 
start validating. And uh, over the last two years, I've, I validated 12 ideas or, or tried to validate 12 ideas. One was a pickle company. One was a smart car air freshener, a couple of software ideas. Of, um, and for one or more reasons, all of them couldn't pass the test, but Vale just aced the test in like a week. Well, talking about pickle company, you have jars on your LinkedIn page. Has that got yes. something to do with it? Uh, yeah, I'm a fifth generation pickler. And my family didn't have money, but okay. they had great pickle recipes that they handed down. I have a leather bound pickle recipe book that's in my safe. And okay. I just make pickles according to my family's recipes. And turns out people are fanatical about them. So it's just a little hipster hobby business. Okay. The, the, you know, a couple hundred customers a year, I grow all of my own pickles and or cucumbers and dill and um, jar them up. Just fun thing to do each fall. Fantastic. But I just, but, oh, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say because they're, they're like, I, I always sell out. I have a wait list. Uh, people are fanatical about these pickles. Like people will buy 20, 30 jars. Um, and, oh, wow. and go through them in a couple of months. These are like pickle fiends, right? So because <laughs> of that, uh, because of that product promise fit or product market fit, I thought, well, maybe there's something to it. Maybe I should build a business around this. But as I started validating, I found out, oh, building a pickle company is a very grindy, uh, capital intensive business that sure. it, when you're coming from software and the multiples of software and the ease and the repeatability and scalability of it, it's just, you know, building the pickle financials, there was this thing called COGS on the financials. Yeah. COGS? What's COGS? I've never seen COGS before. I'm just <laughs> kidding. But, but you know, it's a reality with physical products, especially sure. organic products past, packed in glass jars that are heavy and expensive to ship. I mean, for those who don't know what COGS are, costs of goods sold, we've got to put that yes. out there. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, Thank you. Uh, I just want to quickly go back to rubric. Is there any specific reason you use them? Well, do you know what a rubric is? It's a way to measure I'm something. I'm looking at their site right now. Okay. No, well, there, there's a company that may be called rubric, but a rubric is a tool that allows you to measure something subjective, like is this business valid in an objective okay. way? And teachers, I, I mean, I know about rubrics because I was a teacher. That's what my degree is in, is education. And teachers use sure. rubrics to uh, to give a grade to something that is subjective, like a musical performance. Well, how do you know if this is an A or a B or a C? How do you know what grade to give a, a performance? Sure. Well, it's a really subjective thing to give a grade to performance, but you can break that performance down into pitch and intonation and rhythm and uh, did they remember all the words? And you can create these categories that you can actually then objectively grade and say, well, yeah, actually they did this. This is a 10 out of 10, but they, they were a little pitchy in a couple spots. I'll give that an eight. And then you can weight each of those categories because it may be much more important to be in tune than to remember the words. We're not, we're not, we're not trying to be, you know, excellent memorizers. We're trying to be singers here. So intonation is more important than words. So that one gets a three weight. So you can build a simple rubric in a spreadsheet. I can share mine with you. I've shared it with many universities uh, that I've spoken at or, or education programs. Um, that, would, so that would be the, amazing. 
publicly available. But I, so I have my own that I, I just, whenever I see an idea or something that could be fun to pursue, I just drop it in the rubric and, and I even, I don't even grade them right then. I'll, I'll go back at some time in the future and sort of grade the ideas and make them compete because there's, there's so many things that you could do um, that could be fun. And it's hard to pick. I, I know I have the luxury of that, but this tool helps me even know whether idea A is better than idea B to even spend the next month of my life trying to validate one or the other. Okay. No, it makes sense. Okay. Um, so th this is another question that I would really want to get the answer to. Um, how did you go about getting your first non-referred customer? Well, um, uh, I'm glad you say non-referred. I've been asked that question a lot of times. Like, how do you get your first customers? How do you get your first 10 customers? And my answer to that is always, you already know them. Uh, you, you, you have a network, like, unless you've been living under a rock, you have some sort of network in this modern age. You just need to reach out to them. You need to talk to them. You need to show them. And because if you're looking for, you know, uh, HR managers, well, HR managers know other HR managers. So go talk to the one that you know, and then they can maybe refer you to others and help you find others. So, uh, you know, that's, that's how it starts. That's, you know, you always have to start a, a snowman with a snowball and you, you have to pack the snowball. You have to go out with a rifle and find those people and hunt them down. LinkedIn is sure. a great way to just connect with people. And, you know, so start, look, look on LinkedIn, who search for the title HR manager, if that's what you're looking for. And, who do you know that knows HR managers? Okay, see if you can get an intro. See if you can talk to that person. See if you can send them an email and get a response. Pitch your idea. That's the Groundhog's Day, uh, as I call it, of of startups. Like you, you just pitch and pitch and pitch until you realize, oh, well, it, you know, Groundhog's Day. If, if you're familiar with the movie, you know, I, I, I am. shouldn't yeah. step in the hole there. I shouldn't kiss the waitress there. And I better learn to do this here. And, you know, by the end of the movie, sure. he's figured out what it, what it's what a successful day looks like. Right. But I feel that way about my startup and storytelling is at first it's, it's really crufty and it's, it's not right. And it doesn't resonate, but after you hone that and pitch it multiple, multiple times, you can, you can, start to tell a compelling story. Like what I've even said today, I'm sure I'll be embarrassed about in six months. Why? <laughs> well, just about volley and the way that I'm thinking about it and explaining it. I'm sure I'll cringe six months for you. You should as an artist, <laughs> you should always look back at your past work and be disappointed in it. If, if not, you're not growing. Right. I mean, is part of your validation checklist, do you, do you have to like pitch X number of times before you, yeah. you know, discard an idea? Yeah. Yeah. So the, it's a compilation of a lot of different things that have influenced me. It's some of Eric Reese's stuff, Steve Blank's, Alex Osterwalter's stuff, some of my own stuff. Um, it's just a series of questions that I have to work myself through. And I'm happy to share that with you because I have a, a, a template of this too. Okay. Um, and the first thing I do is I write a test. That's like minute one of validation is I write a test. And in order to move forward with this concept, 
these things need to be true, dot, 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 dot. I need to be able to find a manufacturer that can manufacture pickles. I need to be able to do this at this sort of price. I need to be able to X, Y, Z, right? And these things must be false. Like it can't cost more than a million dollars. It can't do this. It can't do this. So then my job is just to prove those things true or false. And I have about 40 questions that I force myself to go through all about market and customer development and trying to figure out who the product is, what the value prop is. And there's two stopping points throughout this process that the first stopping point, you have to go either build a website or um, build a pitch deck or uh, build a prototype of the product and show it to a customer. All, well, all three of those things, you have to show it to a customer and, okay. and or a potential customer and get their feedback. So what that looked like for Volley, if if you'd like me to explain, is, that, sure. is this good? Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing I did is I built a crappy prototype in Google Slides. I looked like wireframes with like really crappy Josh level design of a prototype of this idea. And Volley in the beginning... I was thinking about this more as a sales tool um, that, and, and that was just because of my own need. I had just bought a motorhome, drove it cross country. It was so hard to get a video from these sales reps of the thing that you're gonna spend a ton of money on. Why is this so hard? Why do you have to get Bob to upload a YouTube tomorrow? Like we should just be able to talk right now. You should be able to show me this thing right now. And what would the technology be that does that? So that was that was the seed of the idea that got me started on Volley. So I created a prototype about a car dealership and a customer and, and um, <clears throat> you know, she's able to show uh, to her spouse the, um, the the car that they're buying and, and all of that. So I sent that out to my network just on, I think just Facebook um, at that point. And I got a bunch of people to fill out a survey. I just said, hey, watch this video and fill out this survey. Um, and I asked a series of questions that helped me know if this, if I have anything here. And I got some okay feedback on that. Like 20% of people were excited about it or said they would try it. 20% of the people didn't like the idea and the others were just meh. But uh, I remember getting feedback right. in that initial survey of somebody like, oh, this would be great for meetings. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, click, oh yes, volley for meetings. So I immediately rebuilt the prototype around a team use case and created a little video, told a story with a little voiceover. It's like a three minute video, sent it back out to my network. Hey, what do you think about volley for meetings? And then I had so many people fill out the survey that it started getting shared. Like I've never had a survey go viral. Actually no survey in the history of man has ever gone viral. So I had to cut this survey off after a day because I started seeing all these people filling it out that I didn't know and didn't know where they were from. And I was like, oh crap, this idea is getting out there. And 97% of the people that filled out the survey said yes, emphatically, like we want this yesterday and we could use it for this and this and this. So that's how I knew that, that I had something to go validate. Like, okay, let's go validate. Let me, let me go see Volley for meetings. Meetings are a great villain to play against. Um, this is a new way to do meetings. Um, and so from that moment, we've been just trying to validate the, the use cases of meetings. And there's, you have meetings as a team with your team members, or you have meetings with uh, people outside of your company, like this meeting with you and I right now is, is a form of meeting. It's a conversation. And both of those can be done asynchronously. I mean, I, I see, you know, unlimited options for this 
I mean, just when you mentioned HR, I think that works for interviews. Oh as well. my goodness! Yeah, this is the this is the mind blow for us <laughs> is interviewing. So with these five engineers I recently hired, um, I can't believe how well I knew them before they started. I've never known an employee this well before they started. So we start the conversation on volley. Just I want them to get a feel for the product, know what we're building, and see if this even if they give a crap about it. Um, you know, so as I'm recruiting, I'll, I'll take them from wherever we are into Bali and we start talking and, and inevitably we start talking every day. And then we do a really awkward synchronous interview where we get the founding team together and we ask them a series of questions and it feels really stiff and contrived. And then we get back to Bali right. and it feels natural again. And, and then I'm able to know, oh yeah, we can communicate well. And, and inevitably the questions will go into kind of things beyond the scope of work and what we're doing and life. And um, yeah, one of these engineers I heard actually said before he started, uh, he's like, I actually feel like we're friends. This is the weirdest thing. <laughs> and so I spilled that idea right. on LinkedIn uh, uh, and one, uh, another, another founder here locally in Utah, Amelia Wilcox just posted on, on uh, LinkedIn about how amazing the interviewing process has been. So yeah, it's really any conversation. Now we can't come to the world and say, use Volley for any conversation. That's like Amazon saying, we're the selling platform for everything. They can't start there. You've got to start with books, you know? So our books right, is right. meetings. Sure. And um, Josh, what, what do you think of podcasts in general as a marketing channel for founders? Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm doing podcasts for two reasons. One, I suck at interviews and I'm trying to get better at interviews. I, I'm notoriously <laughs> bad at interviews. If you look at anything that's ever been written about me, TechCrunch interview, Forbes, whatever, you'll see some random stupid quote that sounds like some hillbilly quote said it. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know how to well, I do know how to get better. And the, the way to do this, way to get better is to just do this. So I've been doing podcasts like this one in order to get better. And I also have a hunch that the people that are likely to use Volley are the same people that are interested in being better at what they do, um, being better at business, being better at entrepreneurship. Um, I, sure. I don't think anyone that's if you're not, and I think the best way to learn and get better, especially for busy people is podcasts. So I have to think that our likely customer knowledge workers who are working remotely and, and leading a team are probably also listening to podcasts because if they're leading a team, they probably give a crap about what they're doing. And um, so that's an assumption. I have not proven that yet, um, but it's been good experience and, we, and we've seen you know, lots of beta users. And like I said, 700 companies on that wait list um, before we put a product out, which was pretty cool. I, I, I just want to quickly touch on th this wait list. It seems this is like a, a trend for you. Did you have a wait list for all your companies? No. Um, oh, no. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know that all of my companies were waitlist worthy, or I even knew the mechanics of how to do that. Um, so no, uh, with the other three, I haven't. I've always wanted to drum up some business before, but these were kind of go off and build a product and hope that the world 
likes it. Um, and volley is the one I, I feel like I finally did right and validated properly and seeded with a wait list. Um, so, I mean, so is no, there any this is a new specific, is there any specific platform for waitlisting? I mean, how did you set up a waitlist? You know, there are, there are tools uh, waitlisted and some others that I looked at that allow you to build a waitlist with some mechanics, like they have a Robinhood sort of mechanic. They have a, a Harry's, you know, companies that had successfully built large waitlists. So you can okay. use those mechanics. Um, so, and I, I thought those were good, but I just didn't feel like I needed those. So we just used a type form. Um, I just wanted to get as much information um, from our early waitlist subscribers as I could to help validate and steer the product in the early days. And that was, that was real helpful. So all it was, was a website with a type form that said, get on the wait list. And then I just started blabbing and writing content and sharing ideas with the world and seeing if other people would share them. And um, you know, that's the blocking and tackling. Perfect. Okay. Uh, Josh, we're just going to take another quick break to thank our second sponsor. Great. Our second sponsor is a company called Bluehost. If you have a business idea and simply want to put it out there, you'll need a domain name and a flexible WordPress site that needs to be hosted on a reliable server. Bluehost is your one-stop shop for all things web hosting. From design and marketing services to easy-to-use website builders, they are with you every step of the way. Thanks to their 24-7, 365 days a year live support, which you can get via chat, phone, and email. And any and all questions you have can be answered in no time at all. Bluehost offers unlimited disk space and bandwidth, an easy-to-use control panel, one-click WordPress installs, and more. Visit bluehost.takingyoutothetop.io today. That's B-L-U-E-H-O-S-T dot takingyoutothetop.io and get a free domain name for the first year. And you'll also get free SSL security certificate with any of their affordable hosting packages. Start your entrepreneurial journey with Bluehost today. All right, Josh, uh, to, to quickly wrap up, um, what would you say is one thing you'd like my audience to take away from this interview? Well, I'd have to say the one thing is replace your back-to-back -back meetings with asynchronous video conversations. Go to volleyapp.com, download the app. We've got desktop and mobile apps. Give it a try. Invite a handful of your members of your team and replace one meeting. Replace your daily stand-up with an asynchronous video conversation. It'll blow your mind because you can listen to them on 2X and you can speed up the world around you and you can do it when it's convenient for you, not the other way around. Perfect. And Josh, where can people get in touch with you? Or the best place people uh, can get in touch with you? Yeah, the, the best place is volleyapp.com or look me up on LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Okay, Josh, we've come to the end. Uh, let's go through the famous five. Great. All right, number one, uh, what's your favorite business book? It would have to be the one that I've given to the most people, and that's Word of Mouth Marketing by Andy Cernovitz. Word I've of Mouth read it Marketing. probably five or six times now. I've read it, and I've given dozens of them away. Okay, cool. Which the book, yeah, I mean, the book tells you how to generate Word of Mouth Marketing. It's just really well written. Uh, sorry, it was by Andy? 
Andy Cernovitz. Cernovitz. He's a professor at University of Chicago. Okay. Um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? No, there isn't, which is the honest answer to that. I could make something up, but no. Well, no. Uh, I'll, no is good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so, of course, I would want to say Volley. Other, but other. It, other, <laughs> other than Volley, it, it would, it's LinkedIn, probably, for growing okay. my business. Perfect. Um, number four, if you could give your 20-year-old self a piece of advice, what would it be? Well, keep the Bitcoin, man. Uh, just don't <laughs> sell it. It's going to be worth more. That, that's what I would say. Um, and yeah, and I've bought in later, unfortunately, but uh, that, that's not what you're looking for, I'm sure. Uh, I guess I would say that by small and simple things, great things will come to pass. And that's something I didn't know when I was young. Uh, it was very much the hare, not the tortoise. Um, and I wanted to do right. things hastily and quickly and all in one swoop. And that's just not how great things are built. Uh, they're built by simple and small things day after day. Um, and it, it's actually the tortoise that wins the race in that parable. Absolutely. And the final question, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, about eight. Perfect. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've learned a tremendous amount of things and I'm sure the audience did as well. And I hope to follow up in maybe a year from now to see you know, where Wally's gone or maybe there's a fifth company. We'll see. Well, well, hopefully there's not a fifth. I don't know that I can take that, <laughs> but thank you. We'll see. I'd love to, I'd love to connect in a year. My pleasure. Thanks, Josh. All right. Thank you. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms. So you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.